Hello and welcome back to Sea Red UK, where quite simply is Chicago Bullsey. This podcast is part of the Fans First Sports Network, so wherever you're listening, rate, review, subscribe, helps us out and ensures you don't miss another episode. And if you're lucky enough to be watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the bell, give it a thumbs up and leave some comments down below. I'm Matt and as usual, joined by Neil. How are we doing, Neil? I'm good. I'm good. Um... I've recovered uh, from last week. I had a bit of a mental week. I was uh, away with work, which is why we didn't record last week. Uh, my fault uh, again. Um, so I'm in trouble with the boss man again. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. How are you? Uh, I'm better. Uh, yeah, it's like you say, last week was just a little bit mental all round, wasn't mm. it? I had yeah. man flu and a bad back that I couldn't even sit down. So I wouldn't have been able to record. Anyway, so, so I'm hence why uh, I don't know. I could have recorded <laughs> Thursday, but you was away Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> nah, um, yeah. So we're back tonight. Um, we've got a guest coming on uh, shortly, so we'll just have a little bit of a chat before he joins us. And uh, yeah, um, we're not going to go over any of the Bulls games that we've not covered. Uh, obviously, the last one being that defeat to Kings. Um, just a little bit of a catch up, basically. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, over the weekend, we put out the poll for our player of the month, which yeah. not surprisingly went to Kobe White. Um, yes, did. didn't get our vote personally. No. Um, we actually voted for Ayo, mm-hmm. but we're not mad at Kobe getting it, you know. Kobe, absolutely not. If Ayo's not getting it, then Kobe definitely gets it. So. I think the reason I went for Ayo is just because he, he's kind of like going under the radar a little bit, I think. Mm. Whereas Kobe's, everyone's seeing what Kobe's doing. And I think that's probably why he got majority of the votes. I think he ended up with like 69% of the votes or something. Yeah. Um, I get it. I do. And like you say, I'm not mad at it one bit. Um, I think Kobe has been phenomenal. Uh he had a little bit of a lull there at the start of the month, which is why he didn't get my vote. Um, but he could easily have done. So, yeah, it's all good. I mean, as my little thing says, at least we have Kobe. Okay, you might want to add, add an E to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. At last we have Kobe. Then It still works. At last yeah, it does. It works either way. It works either way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Leave me alone. It's game day as well. I've been too busy. So... Yeah. Anyway, um, I'll change it for when we have a guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've got anything else before we throw it over to our guest. Not really. Um, I think the only thing that I would be talking about uh, we'll cover when we're having a chat with our guest. So um, we'll uh, we'll just let it move on to that and, and we'll all talk about it together. Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a hell of a lot that's been going on in Bulls basketball. Uh, and like I said, we're going to chat it over with our guest. Yeah. Our guest being uh, Jack Quantrill from the Drop Step podcast, another mm-hmm. UK-based podcast. He basically covers all of the NBA. So we're yeah. going to get a little bit of a outsider's perspective on just how crap this Bulls team is, rather yeah. than uh, rose-tinted, smudged, smeared glasses opinion. Or, or uh, red tinted glasses, as it were. Yeah, whichever one just looked a little bit 
special in, shall we say. Yeah. If uh, that's the politically correct term for it. Probably not, but moving but, swiftly on. Yeah, um, we're not judging. We're not judging. If that, you, you do you. Mm. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I'll just send it to Ad Reed and then we'll be back with our guest. Uh, our partners at USA Sports. USA Sports is a UK-based sports merchandise retailer. They cover the NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, as well as Formula One. So from hats to hoodies, there's something for fans from everywhere, from Chicago Bulls to Team Red Bull and everywhere in between. Check them out on all the socials and at usasports.co.uk. And for discount, enter the code CRADUK at checkout. Yeah, so welcome back and it's welcome to our guest, Jack, from the Drop Step uh, podcast. Uh, welcome in, Jack. How's it? How's it going? Guys, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. We're a couple of days before the trade deadline and um, it's a little bit flat at the moment, isn't it? I sort of mm. thought we might have another sort of pre-blockbuster Kyrie Irving to the to the Dallas Maverick <laughs> style trade this year, but I think that that's come a few weeks early. I, I feel like if I was invest, as invested in the balls as you guys are, I would have my uh, eye on my phone 24-7 because I feel like the Bulls are a team that should be active at the deadline one way or another. But I'm excited to talk about it today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Um, obviously, we mentioned in our intro bit that you, obviously, you have your podcast, The Drop Step, um, and it's kind of a more widespread NBA podcast rather than, obviously, like we are Bulls-centric. Um, do you want to just sort of let our listeners know what your podcast is actually about before we get into Absolutely. Well, we'll lead the conversation. I, I think a lot of people that start a podcast might experience this. They have their ideas of what they're going to do and then they realise guests are the key. So my podcast is shaped by whoever I can get to come on it. Essentially, I try to cover the league at large. I probably have a slight focus on younger teams and the idea of how teams build across the NBA. Uh, I love the idea of sort of where the league is going. So I've had lots and lots of people on in the last couple of months, people from The Athletic, from Raptors Republic, beat writers, whoever I can get my hands on, basically. But if you're looking for an NBA podcast uh, from this side of the pond that tries to steer clear of the daily news cycle a little bit, that's what I try and do. And I really try and get carried by my guests. A lot of people know a lot more about basketball than me. So uh, that'd be a reason to check it out. It's a good way to find out more about basketball and find more really good content creators that are all out there. Yeah, I had the one the, the other week where you had uh, Keith Smith from Sport Track on, which, yes. I mean, the, the amount of stuff he knows is just, mm. yeah, the, the CBA and all that just blows my mind and salary caps. Uh, yeah, so... We're hoping you might have picked up a little bit of knowledge on that and to help us. <laughs> well, I will I will gladly try. I've been trying. I think that I got into the league a little bit because of some fascination with the trade machine, and that's probably carried over to some of the episodes that I do. But yeah, getting Keith was absolutely fantastic. I think a lot mm. of the time in this community, I'm just shocked when people say yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, we didn't run over, which I think is like the golden rule. So hopefully he'll come back on on the off season and I can sort of chew his ear off a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, 
Definitely. He, I mean, I'd say he's probably forgotten more about basketball than, than I'll ever know, but um, he's certainly <laughs> really clued in. Uh, and it was a great, it's a great listen. So anyone that hasn't listened to it and want to pick one out to listen to, uh, to see what you're all about, I'd say that's definitely a great place to start. Although I would say that was sort of on the second apron. And if I know anything about Jerry Reinstorf, the Bulls won't have anything to worry about with regards <laughs> to that for quite a while. So maybe there's a more relevant one that's, out there. <laughs> that's, that's a, a curious point, actually, because um, Jerry Reinsdorf or the Reinsdorfs, to the two of them, uh, Michael as well, are kind of renowned amongst Bulls Nation for being a little bit tight with the purse strings. And um, it's something that infuriates most Bulls fans, I think, um, particularly when we're kind of stuck in that NBA hell of, of in the middle, Do you know, that, that level of mediocrity that we can't seem to, to climb the ladder. And yet we're never quite bad enough to be able to improve through through the draft either. So it's frustrating. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, I suppose that takes us into what we're going to talk about is... Mm -hmm how tight the Reinsdorfs are is seriously affecting what Bulls are doing and what we're potentially going to do um, with the trade, obviously trade deadline coming up. Doesn't, I know Neil's got a list of questions or points to go through, so don't want to step on his toes. Um, but yeah, obviously uh, it's part of the reason why we wanted to get you on, like I say, is to get that outside perspective of mm -hmm. what this Bulls team actually is. Because, we're maybe a little bit too invested and maybe our opinions are a bit biased one way or the other. So it'd be nice to get your perspective as a, as an outside point of view. Definitely. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to, happy to answer anything guys. Shine the flashlight. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm here for questioning. <laughs> Very good. So I suppose the first thing we need to discuss is the elephant in the room that's just broken this week. The the big plan that was uh, being spoken about and that was hitting the, the, the socials and all the media was that Zach Levine had requested a trade, the Bulls were open to trading him, and this was going to be the big move leading up to Thursday. And then he got injured and wasn't playing very much, and then it turned from a minor injury to all of a sudden he was getting surgery and would be out four to six months and that was it dead in the water so it's been a bit of a shock it's kind of left a lot of people thinking like where do we go from here um and from that neutral perspective what's your take on the whole situation and what do you think the bulls can do about it i suppose let me take you through my zach levine journey because I've had one because as a someone that sort of has come to the league over the last couple of years I think that Zach Levine is the perfect archetype of player that really sort of jumps off the screen and as you're learning about the game you look and you go this guy's incredible you know I think I probably started really following the NBA the first year that um, Levine was averaging 27 points per game it was the Nikola mm -hmm. Vucevic trade year he looked like, you know, one of the next sort of faces of the league, essentially. I think he deservedly made the all-star team that year. So he's always been a player that's really sort of figured on my mind. And when I saw that, um, what was the phrasing? Uh, Levine and the organisation are open to a trade. Uh, that's what broke earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. I, I jumped on my laptop and I wrote something for FFSN. And this will tell you how sort of behind the curve I was with Zach because I put trading Zach Levine to every single team in the NBA. 
I think that his archetype in terms of being able to do stuff on the ball, being able to space outside, being able to cut and um, just sort of, he looks as though he should be a really portable star. I thought he kind of could fit on most teams in the league. And I sort of ranked different destinations and sort of concluded that I thought Orlando would be a really, really fun spot for him to land. And then Mm -hmm. you listen to the conversation and people talk about, God, you don't understand how toxic this contract could be or how it's sort of viewed in league circles the money going out and then the the locations where he could get traded to dwindle to the point where last week I sort of looked before the news broke and thought it really is only the Lakers or the Pistons to me that make real sense in terms of a destination and I was uh I was talking to Bryce Simon who's on Game Theory which is a, a great podcast He's a Pistons fan and he said, yeah, I'll take him. But, you know, I don't want to give up any of Jaden Ivey, Alsar Thompson, Jalen Duran, etc. And I mocked up a trade that was, I think it was just Joe Harris and James Wiseman, because I think there's an argument that the Bulls should be looking for their next long-term centre. We, we can probably get onto that later in the podcast. Um, and I, I didn't know how I felt about including a pick. I'm at a stage now where I think that this relationship has really run its course to the point where if the Bulls can get off Levine, even in the next couple of days, I don't see any reason why Detroit wouldn't be interested in sort of getting a jump start on their plans. If they can turn that 40 million into expiring salary and just cut it there, that's something that I'd be interested in if I was um Arnitas Carnisibus. I, I don't know if I'm butchering the pronunciation there, but <laughs> I I wouldn't okay. expect Keep any sort of AK, AK is nice. Yeah, I wouldn't expect any sort of great shakes in a return. I would still be optimistic on moving him. I wouldn't necessarily attach assets, but it's got to that stage where I've gone from trading him to every team in the NBA to let's just get him off the team. Let's get both parties a new start. Yeah, and that's the fall from grace that we've been looking at. It it really, really is. Um, When we signed Levine to the contract, which I believe at the time was the most expensive Chicago Bulls contract um, ever. Um, People were a little bit hesitant about Mm -hmm. signing him to that amount of money. There there was a kind of a divide amongst Bulls Nation that was kind of saying, well, some people were saying he's not a max player. And then there was other people that were saying, well, no, he is a max player. He might not be a number one option, but he's still a max player. And, and that was the argument that was kind of going back and forth. So there's a lot of people that feel that he was overpaid at that, at that time. And a yep. lot of people that felt that it was the right fair deal to give him. And um, now I won't speak for Matt, but personally at that time, I thought it was the right deal. They put him on the long finger they, so they could make other signings and they promised him that they would do him right. And I think even just around the league to look good around the league and to enter because a lot of the time the balls aren't always in favor with, with free agency it made them look that little bit more trustworthy and better that they did go ahead and keep to their word with Zach Levine. And at the time, like you say, he was averaging 27 points. He was an all-star. He was deserving of that contract. The problem is that since he signed that contract, it's, it's like we signed a different player. I mean, he, he hasn't lived up to the contract and played or continued to play the way he was playing when he signed. And, and that's that's the big issue and that's the big problem. And now it looks like he's overpaid, underplayed and injury prone. And it's very, very hard to to sell that 
to other teams, especially when they're looking for a very strong return, or at least they were looking for a very strong return. I've I've definitely heard reports that leading up to the signing of that contract, Levine played through quite a significant amount of pain. And originally when I heard those reports, I thought, oh, that's fantastic. You know, they've got Lonzo out. They're trying to keep this really positive season alive. And the more and more you think about it, the more it's, I had to secure the bag, essentially. And I think mm-hmm. that Levine's play really suffered for the first half of the season after the extension. And then towards the second half of the year, I think he really looked back to his best in terms of the spring was there. The worry with Sat Levine is he gradually sort of becomes more and more of that Clay Thompson archetype as the wear and tear sort of stacks up on his body. But I think there's, I think he's probably still got 80% of that athleticism. I don't think he's winning the dunk contest today or foot surgery anymore, but he's definitely someone that can throw it down, that can explode. I, I'm still inclined to sort of, I would hold on to my Zach Levine stock in general, sort of as a guy that follows the league and as someone that hasn't had to watch him every night, I probably have aspirations that he'll be someone that contributes to a contending team over the next few years. I just think that the stage in the cycle that the Bulls are at, you can't have that guy taking up 25% of your salary cap going forward. I just don't see how you can get enough talent on the team with that much salary committed. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And um, unfortunately, because he hasn't lived up to the the expectations of the contract, that's kind of where we're at, especially now with him being injured and hoping to be moved. It's like you say, it's it's just eating up far too much of the of the available salary cap to the Bulls. And well, it's not available because it's tied up in him. And that's the problem. Um, I mean, I don't know what your, your thoughts on it, Matt, is you haven't really had your say Oh, we've lost him. We'll get him back. Um, <laughs> just didn't want to talk to us, was it, Matt? Was that what it was? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Bad weather. Yeah, no problem. Uh, here we go. We'll just shift you around the right way. There we go. Um, yeah, so what, what's your kind of opinion and take on it? I, I'm guessing it's going to be something similar. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've said all along, obviously, the Bulls' idea was to build around Zach, mm. and he was going to be our main piece, and that's why we bought him Vooch. Demar, obviously Lonzo, when we brought them all in. And we, I know we always harp back to it, but we saw what that team was going to be. Then Lonzo got injured, Zach got injured, Caruso got injured. And it since then, it's just, yeah, it's not been the same. Um, obviously, we had, we had to sign Zach to the deal. There's no two ways about that. The thing with AK and Eversley is they're too stubborn and mm. they won't move anything else around, including Zach. We, you know, we had that reported offer from Nick's at the end of well, his last deadline, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And it was like, no, that's that's not enough. We're not looking to get rid of him. And since that, it's just gone down and down and down. And now we can't even trade him to the worst team in the NBA yeah. because they're turning around and saying, no, that's we're not giving up that for Zach. You know, we're not giving up that. You can have Joe Harris and whatever else. You know, we don't even want to give you uh, Bogdanovich. And yeah. <laughs> you know, and that that's a real, like you said, fall from grace. And what it's now doing is 
it's restricting what we can do moving forward as well in terms of re-signing the likes of Damar, if that's the route they're going to go, re-signing P-Will. Because obviously Zach's contract goes up again next year as well by an extra three million, something like that, mm-hmm. just over three million. As well as has already been over the cap and all that sort of stuff. So, it, yeah, it's just really... The way AK has done his business, it was all aggressive and it's like boom, boom, boom. And it's like, oh, wow, look at what he's done. And now it's like, oh, look at what he's done. He's basically <laughs> screwed us. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's a shame, obviously, for Zach. Like we've said in plenty of pods before, we've got nothing against Zach, nothing against him wanting out of Chicago if that's the way it was going to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've heard the conspiracy theories going around that this surgery is planned so that he doesn't go to Pistons. <laughs> but if Pistons wanted him that much, their season's done anyway. Do you know what I mean? True. Get him in, get rid of their expiring contracts, you know, players they don't want, send them to us. And then they've got a fully fit Zach to start next season and they can build from that. But yeah, it's it's a mess. That's, uh, you know, it's an AK's mess and can't see any way of him tidying it up, basically. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, You kind of touched on it there, actually, Matt, and it's something that, unfortunately, we we have to discuss, and that's uh, how much the Bulls have been plagued by the injury bug. Now, we're not the only team this season. All you need to do is look towards (laughs) Memphis to see another example of a team that's been absolutely hammered by the injury bug this year, but it's, it's been a real problem for us. Um, although when Zach went out, which didn't help his stock either, when Zach went out with the injury, the Bulls actually started playing a different system, which really, really suited the young players. And they actually played better basketball than they did when Zach was there. I mean, you can try and dress that up as much as you like. The facts are the facts. And they, they played better and won more games without him. But also what people tend to forget is they were beginning to play better basketball just before he went out with the injury too. So, I mean, it, it's not in, it's not entirely exclusive, but it, you know, at the end of the day, wins and losses, they outshine everything and, and you can look at the facts and, and they were winning more games without him. Um, what's the take from outside of the Chicago Bulls as to how they look with injury and how have injuries affected other teams around the league that you are, would say, are of note, you know, like Memphis? So I'll be honest, I think that in the year of the 65 game minimum for awards, I don't think the injuries have quite figured into the league as much as a lot of people would have thought. I think it's got a hell of a lot of press with Joel over the last few days. Mm. And he seems to be someone that is fairly considerate about sort of the outside narrative. And I think that he was gunning for his second MVP. And if he kept the same level up, probably would have secured it. Right. But I look around the league and... Memphis is the team that you mentioned in terms of injuries. Miami have been hit horribly hard by injuries. Mm, Uh, I had Lucas Kaplan, who's a really good beat Bryce on before the season to preview the Brooklyn Nets. They're another team that have just had injuries all over the place. And Chicago didn't really figure in my mind as a team that obviously Zach has been out and missed sort of extended time. But I I don't think anything has been quite... um, seismic enough to really sort of break into the national news and it seems as Mm -hmm. though they've more been um 
a niggling injury here or there, a few games here, a few games there, to where the roster is just never necessarily at full strength. But mm. if you look at Andre Drummond, Kobe White, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, they've all played 45 games or more this year. I know that Zach hasn't, but I, I think mm. that's a decent sort of stretch for your core. And you might not view Kobe White as your absolute core going forward. I think the worst thing that injuries have done is probably really reinforce this narrative around Levine that the team is 100% better off without him and sort of create quite a bit of friction with him returning to the lineup. Like you said there, Neil, they started to play better before he went out with injury. I think it's, you know, it's difficult. Teams can have rough starts to seasons. It feels like years ago now, but Chicago were the team that had the players only meeting after the first night, right? Yeah, they made league history this season. I mean, <laughs> that's something to go down into the into the history books. I think that they've probably done more um, damage to the team in terms of sort of the narratives that they've set, and maybe sort of how Patrick Williams has been slowed down intermittently by never really being able to get going. I, I said to you, Neil, when we were speaking about this before. I'm a Patrick Williams believer. I think that mm -hmm. there's a player in there that can contribute to a playoff team and play a role. I don't necessarily think he's going to be Kawhi Leonard, but um, I, I just think that it's been stop-start. But again, it's it's allowed Kobe to sort of come into his own and take on a hell of a lot more usage than I personally was expecting him to have this year. Yeah, no, like I said to you, I'm a big P-Will fan. Um, Matt has his reservations um, but I, I've been staunch um, on P-Will and P-Will Island from, from the start. I still see something in him that at times you scratch the surface and you get real glimpses of what he could be. And that's the frustration with him is then he tends to retract then and he, he's got this moniker of passive P um, around Bulls Nation. And unfortunately, he does slip back into that. But it seems to be that passive side of him seems to be regressing more and the aggressive side of him seems to be coming more to the forefront as he's getting more and more experience. The problem is it's not happening at a pace that we need it to happen and it's not happening at a pace that Bulls fans want to see it happen. So he's really divisive. Um, as for Kobe, well, I'll let Matt talk about Kobe because in fairness, he wouldn't let me give up on Kobe White and he was absolutely right because Kobe White has been phenomenal to Matt the floor is yours tell us about Kobe White well what, what else is there to say you know he's if it wasn't for him this year I think we'd be a lot worse off um you know obviously there's the whole talk about him going for the all-star the most improved all that sort of stuff which I mean let's be honest well he's not an all-star for a start and he's not going to win most improved just purely because of the narrative around Bulls more than anything mm -hmm. Doesn't stop Bulls fans obviously beating that drum. But, you know, if you're honest, he's had a good season for Bulls, but in terms of the NBA, it's what, an average season, I'd say. You know, as much as I love Kobe, it's he's not doing anything that there isn't other players in the league doing. It's just he's doing it for Bulls. And obviously, you can link it to Zach's injury, you know, and... It's something we've often asked each other is, is Kobe now the franchise face of the franchise? Is he the one that we give the keys to and build this team around? And 
I mean, just going back to the injuries, we've said all along, this the, the roster construction is shocking. And without the injuries, we wouldn't have seen this version of Kobe. Mm-hmm. So now it, that's what makes it hard to work out, is he the franchise player? Do we build around him? Because the team we've got there at the minute isn't good enough to be around Kobe or Kobe isn't good enough to lead that team further, if that makes sense. Without the trust being given to him by Billy, as in clutch shots and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, with the roster construction as well, it kind of makes it hard to figure out how we're going to move players and who to move and who do you, you know, what direction are we going and are we going the Kobe White route or are we going continuity, basically? And I think Bulls need to help Kobe now become or take that next step and become NBA popular rather than Bulls Nation popular, if that makes sense. If that's the route we're going to go, any moves that they make from now on have to be made to suit Kobe's game, I think, rather than, oh, we'll bring in so-and-so because it just fits the system or whatever. You've got to, we've got to make Kobe the star of this team now, if that's the route we're going to go. If not, we're just set for continuity. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking from that and, and moving with that forward then, in your opinion, um, Jack, do you think there's still a trade that could be done for the Bulls before Thursday or on Thursday at the deadline? Okay, so if I was in AK's shoes, I would be one of the big sellers at the deadline as the Bulls. I think that your goal as a GM, and you guys must have said this for years on end, should be to win a title, right? Mm-hmm. And if you pick continuity, by the time Kobe improves further, by the time Patrick Williams perhaps shakes off this passive P moniker, is DeMar DeRozan still going to be the same level of player? Has Zach Levine suddenly sort of made up with Billy Donovan, who, by the way, I think is a phenomenal coach. The fact that Billy Donovan has never finished in the bottom half of the league for defensive rating um, with all of sort of the teams that he's coached. He's coached three guard lineups in OKC. I haven't looked at these Chicago teams over the last couple of years and thought, oh, yeah, they should be a top 10 defence, 100%. But I think you look and you go, all of our moves should be shaped towards winning a title. And I don't think that Kobe White is a number one option on a title team. But what I would be doing is building around Kobe White's contract because you've got a player that I think probably should be paid $25 million a year, maybe 30 And you've got him for 11 million, 13 million and 15 million over the next three years. And that the the Golden State Warriors are the ultimate example of this, right? Where Steph has the ankle injury early in his career. They're able to sign him to a phenomenally sort of cheap contract for what his talent is. And then you springboard off of that. And that's one of the ways where you can actually go out there and get the talent that you need. And I look at Patrick Williams and I think opinion is sort of down around the league. And we secure this guy you know, four years, 60, 70 million. I I may even push to 80 when you see sort of the money that Josh Green is getting in Dallas and the money that PJ Washington is getting as well. I think that Pat is a player that has a lot more potential than that. 
I would be selling off Demar if I could. As fantastic as he is, I absolutely love Demar as a player. I would 100% be trading Alex Caruso. Again, another fantastic player. A player that needs to be on a team that are better than the Chicago Bulls right now. And that might not get me a lot of people crossing over to, you know, the drop step <laughs> after this. But for his age and his contract, the Bulls should have picks in place of Alex Caruso at the moment. And they should be getting to a stage where they have cap flexibility and where they have excess picks. And at the moment, I think that they've got the Portland pick that's probably going to convey in the next two to three years. I think the protections on that drop down to about top eight. And I don't think that Portland are going to be one of the worst eight teams in the league for the next three, four five years. I think the protections go out on that to 2028. But then they also owe this pick to the Spurs, which I believe becomes... um, not unprotected, but it gets down to sort of top six, top three territory by the time those um, commitments sort of end. I would be setting up the team on a two-year rebuild, essentially. You sell off at this deadline. You um, play for flexibility next year. By that time, sort of Lonzo's contract is gone by 2025 free agency. You're set there with cap space, hopefully with excess picks, and then you sort of make this next big go of being the next great Bulls team. But, um, yeah, I, I'd be trying to sell the farm, guys. I hate to say it. Yeah, yeah I, I think you'd get a lot of agreement from um, at least a good portion of Bulls fans, and that might be quite surprising for you to even hear, but there is a lot of buzz around getting rid of Alex Caruso while his value is high and his contract is low. I mean, he is a very movable piece, unfortunately, too movable because I love AC and I would be very, very sad to see him leave. But at the same time, I don't see how we're going to improve if we don't start to cull what we have a little bit. And unfortunately, he's just too valuable to be completely and utterly saying no to not not moving in and, and at least not having those discussions and seeing what they can potentially get back for him. Yeah, I mean, just going back to like what I was saying about Kobe, for me, every other team around the league, or in particular in the East, recently has made a decision of who they're going to build a team around. And they've made the moves to do that, as in Pacers with Halliburton, um, Raptors with Scotty Barnes. We don't seem to have that player. And that's what I'm saying. Is Kobe that player that we're going to build around? And that's where you've then got to make the moves to do it. And if that means moving Demar, moving Caruso, obviously we've tried to move Zach. That seemed to be the move we was going for. You know, the problem with AK is to hold on, as Raptors did, for too long to players that had any sort of value. And then they don't get the true value back for them. Mm-hmm. And that's why, to me, we've got we've got to move on from Demar and we've got to move on from Crusoe because, yeah, all right, we've got Crusoe for another year on this team-friendly deal, but what's his value going to be this time next year? You know, is he still going to be the same player? Because we know that he's basically held together by duct tape. You know, it, and obviously his value around the league will drop as he gets older. And as I said to you in an earlier pod, Neil, if they're going to look at re-signing him, he's not coming back on a team-friendly deal. No. He's going to want more money. So 
you know, even if it is a first round pick and a younger player or two first round picks, whatever it is they're holding out for, to me they've got to do it with Caruso. And this week is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And that goes for Damar as well. Obviously, we had a little meltdown after the the Kings game and basically said, right, that's it, we're done with Damar. Purely because of <laughs> how it's going in clutch. And it's kind of yeah. like, it feels as, as long as Damar's there, you're not going to be able to push Kobe that that little bit extra, make him the star. And I'm not saying that Damar's holding Kobe back, because I think a lot of that is Billy Donovan. You know, he's got to run the plays for Kobe, or at least get the ball into Kobe's hands. The play does the shot doesn't have to be Kobe's, but the play can go through Kobe rather yeah. than Demar doing that weird little slow dribble and trying to draw the foul and missing the shot. Um so yeah, I've got nothing against if if that there's two moves that Bulls make this year or this deadline, Caruso and uh go, I'm I'm happy with that. Um I'm at that point now where I'm not wanting to see change for change's sake, but something has to change. Yeah. You know, and they're the two most value, valuable assets we've got. And like I said to you before, Neil, unfortunately, the player, these players are more valuable to Bulls than they are any other team around the league yeah. at the minute. And you could maybe say Caruso could be valuable to another team, but you know, people aren't looking at DeRozan as he's going to be their their star player or whatever. He's going to come in as second, possibly third piece on a contending team. Mm-hmm. And do they end up re-signing him? Who knows? Uh, I mean, I've also said to you, Neil, the one piece I do think will move, and Casey Johnson kind of mentioned it on Bulls Talk, the most likely piece to move is going to be Andre Drummond. Yeah. And... That's not exactly a move that sort of moves the needle, is it? It's That seems like a move that just has to be done because Drummond's an expiring contract. But then, mm-hmm. as we've said before, roster construction, where do we go if we've only got Vooch as our, our main big? They've got that's to the bring problem. somebody else in. Yeah. you know, And we're not in a position to bring players in cap-wise, Asset wise, whatever you want to say, you know, I know you've got a question in a minute, Neil, which mm. we could use to bring somebody in. Um, but chances are we don't use. Well, that's that's the thing. But yeah, it's like you say, at the moment we're relying on Vucevic and Drummond as our only um number five options, really, that are actually sized to play those positions outside of that we're putting the likes of terry taylor in at the five uh, we've even played p will at the five and you know i know billy donovan likes to go small ball but i mean that's just abusing the right um jack what what do you think um in regards to drummond let's say i think that he could probably net you a couple of second round picks and i think that he's done really well over the last few years to rehab his value in philadelphia and chicago he's actually a really interesting profile of big because it's completely sort of miscast in cleveland as a number one option and there are some of the worst sort of like low light um instagram or youtube mixtapes you'll ever see of andre drummond playmaking and throwing up layups that sort of look like i don't know circus acts gone wrong 
but um you know he's got really active hands for a big he's great in mm. terms of sort of the steals he really just if um if all nba was still voted for by just looking at the box score every night and andre uh, andre drummond played 36 minutes a night he'd be uh all nba third team center every year he'd be a lot because he'd probably pull down you know 18 to 20 rebounds grab a steal grab a block and and put up sort of 15 the, the issue is um it's sort of hard to find it's hard to find a team that needs that as a starter because any team that's sort of worth their worth their weight worth their salt um is going to have sort of a starting caliber center so i think you limit that return to a few seconds but that should still be viewed as um value to Chicago Bulls fans. I think that you sent seconds out in 26 and 27 for Julian Phillips at the draft last year. Yeah. Um, I know that there are seconds owed sort of for the DeMar trade and basically the Bulls don't have many seconds going forward. And again, I'm going to put my GM hat on. If I was trying to win an NBA title, I would want to get to a position where my, I'm bursting at the seams with second round picks, with first round picks, with flexibility. And I think that you have to be really sort of um, cold in your approach to it in that way and just say, I understand that we've gone through some really hard times as Bulls fans. And I, I think that a lot of that was sort of on the fault of previous FO and, and previous coaching appointments. Uh, Jim Boyland, obviously, I'm surprised no one's sort of having a heart attack. I just mentioned that name. But... <laughs> I, I think that the best decision this team could make is sort of being really forthright and saying, we know that you've struggled with rebuilding teams before. We're going to try and do it the right way this time. And it's because we're trying to break that glass ceiling. The mm. other view, which I do think is interesting because you do have to discuss it, is we're sort of the eighth best team in the Eastern Conference, maybe. You know, we're, we're in the mix other teams are dropping like flies. You know, Philadelphia, for all we know, Joel and B could have played his last game for them this season. I hope not. They've been really fun to watch this year. Um, there aren't many teams that are real sort of great shakes around us. Miami is struggling. Brooklyn is struggling. Atlanta has been spoken about as one of the big sellers at the deadline. If we were to go the other way and bring something in, trade even more future assets to improve this team, can we get to the can we get to the level of teams like the Knicks and the Cavaliers? Are there any players sort of going around ball circles that have been spoken about at this deadline as let's zag and try and win now? You know, any takers for DeJounte Murray at the moment, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um see I don't I don't know that they know which direction to take now. And that's the problem. Um I think AK had a certain plan, which was the Zach Levine trade plan. And now that the rug has been pulled out from underneath them, I honestly think that that they're in a state of flux and they don't know which way to turn. The problem is we're never told. I I know other teams around the league that their front office is is quite open and quite forward about what they're planning to do and what direction they're going to take. As Bulls fans, we've always been kept in the dark, regardless of which front office it is, regardless of which head coach we've got. We're always left guessing. And the move may happen at the last second, 
And it's, it's as much of a surprise to Bulls fans and Bulls media as it is to everybody else around the league. Um, so it, it's kind of really hard to know which which direction, which player, which which move, which trade they're going to make, if any. And, and this time kind of leading up to the trade deadline is always a tentative kind of period for us as Bulls fans because you just never know what you're going to get. And the big fear more than anything else is always that we're going to end up actually getting nothing and there's going to be no moves and as we've been discussing no moves just simply will not cut it with this team this season it we have to get something uh, and and preferably something substantial but i do think that unfortunately and, and like matt was saying we were discussing this previously uh, privately i can see a drummond move being about all they're going to do and it's just not enough mm. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously you mentioned Sixers a minute ago, Jack. And to be honest, that's the team I'm kind of looking at to help Bulls out slightly. Because yeah. they've got cap space at the minute. They've got, obviously, all the picks that come in from the um, Harden trade and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they've got the picks there to offer up for Drummond. They've got the cap space for DeRozan if they looked at a, a short-term scoring replacement for Embiid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've put out today and they're, they're going to reevaluate him in four weeks, which, what does that take us up to? March, beginning of March, middle of March, whatever it is. They haven't got a lot of room after that to make that decision on whether well, he's going to be back for the playoffs or he's going to be out for the season. So they kind of have to make a move now. And... When you look at the players who are supposedly available around the league, Drummond obviously helps them out for that that big. He knows Philadelphia as well. And yep. DeRozan helps him out as that star player to replace Embiid. Because they don't have to re-sign Demar either then. He could just be literally a bit of a rental for them. However, I don't think they're going to help us out. <laughs> Possibly with Drummond, but not with Demar. Um, you know, and yeah, I think you know Darren Worry is a guy that is obsessed with analytics and has really sort of upskilled um, general management across the NBA over the last couple of decades. Right, some guys didn't know what plus minus was, or you know, true shooting, etc. And he's he's sort of done a lot to um, to ruin a lot of good content out there because sometimes you know, looking back at trades of the past. It must have been so easy just to write a column every week. But yeah, a lot of these guys seem really competent. I'd be surprised if Alex Caruso hasn't crossed Daryl Morey's sort of stat sheet because of the way that he pops off and sort of statistics like defensive EPM, defensive estimated plus minus, Raptor, LeBron, all of these sort of catch-all metrics. He represents sort of one of the best value for money contracts in the league if you're trying to build out a championship winning team. And as a backcourt partner for Maxi, I, I think that he'd be incredible and they could sort of fortify them with Melton and Caruso as your you're running almost two guards and then you've got Maxi as your number one. That's a move that I'd love to see them make. And they definitely have sort of, I think they've got the worst of a 26 pick with uh, teams like the Clippers and the Thunder. And then they've also got, uh, you know, the unprotected 28 Clippers first as well. 
that's something that I'd be targeting. Uh, I think that Drummond would also make sense. The the Demar thing is like we sort of spoke about this at the top of the pub with Levine. Is it is it a case of as long as we get something for Demar, we'll be happy as a fan base, or is there a bare minimum in terms of a return that you're that you can stomach for giving up a guy that's been one of the best balls players of the last ten years? <laughs> That's a lovely uh, question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, obviously, you want to get the best return you possibly can for any player you see walking out the door. And Damara's, he kind of instantly walked in as a Chicago Bulls legend and hero, really, you know, especially off the back of his his first season. Um, his He became known as King of the Fourth um, with his New Year's uh, heave. And uh, his New Year's Day shot then the following day, back-to-back, it was incredible. He instantly won the heart of of every Bulls fan, I think. So, yeah, realistically speaking, everyone's going to expect to see a big return. However, you've got to look at it, you know, take the the, the red-tinted glasses off and look at it properly. And, And realistically speaking, we're just in a position where we don't have much to fight about you know we just need to clear space we need to clear house we need to put ourselves in a position look this this season okay we are in a playing playing spot but realistically speaking we're not contenders right so we need to make that decision is is it time to just look say enough's enough if we need to look to the future we need to do it now and we need to take the hits now. We need to take it on the chin now. Yeah, we might not get quite back what we should or what we think we should, but we just need to, we need to take that on the chin just so that we can restart and grow. Because I think if we do that typical Bulls thing of hanging on for too long, like you said that they did in, in Toronto, what will end up happening is we're just going to extend the period within which we do start to see the Bulls return. If we do it now and just whip off the Band-Aid, we've got a better chance of of turning it around quicker over the next maybe two, three years, as opposed to a five, six-plus-year rebuild. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's really messed this Bulls team up is the Lonzo Ball injury. Yeah. And obviously, I know you've got a question from that, Neil, as well. I do, yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually something we haven't touched on too much tonight is, is the Lonzo Ball situation because, you know, okay, we've got that money now sitting on the bench or sitting in, in the first aid room, whichever way you want to look at it, with Zach. But we've also had this this albatross hanging around our neck with yeah. the Lonzo situation for the last number of years. And, you know, obviously, if Lonzo ever does come back, he's not going to walk onto the floor the same player that he was, if ever. Um, you know, he's going to come back at the end of his contract, realistically speaking. He'll be almost at the end of his four-year contract by the time he steps back on the floor. He'll be on a minute's restriction. And what kind of a player are we going to get anyway? So I think Lonzo is pretty much a write-off, no matter what way you want to look at it. Zach now is that unknown quantity right now. And it's just a, a huge amount of money that's just tied up on the bench that's never going to see the floor, or at least not for a very long time. Now, we did qualify for the DPE, and I suppose my question to you, you know, you obviously have a better grasp of this sort of thing than myself and Matt may may perhaps understand of it, but 
with the DPE, I know we've got a limited period before we can, I think it's sometime in March it needs to be used by, but could you see that as some way out or some way of kind of getting something in to help us uh, to, to plug the, the gaps as it's pouring in on top of us, as it were? <laughs> um, in short, no. And here's why. Yeah. The uh, Chicago Bulls have, let me, I've, I've got it open here. They have 1.708 million uh, in space below the tax line, essentially. So I think DPE can spend what 5.2. I might be wrong on that, but it's sort of um, you know it's it's decent money. It's nearly sort of taxpayer um, money. It's sort of the contract that Javon Carter is on at the moment that Io Desumu is on. So you could maybe expect to bring in a player sort of of that caliber. And then you know with the buyout market rolling around in theory you know let's say gordon hayward gets bought out he could be a fantastic complementary player to this team in terms of someone that actually keeps the ball moving that can get shots up in spurts integrate into second units close with first units as well he's a player that on paper you think oh wow so the bulls have this little edge where they can outbid anyone else because they've got this tax player uh, they've got this exemption handy but it just comes down to our ownership going to pay the tax for what's currently a I, I don't know if you guys are the eighth seed or the ninth seed at the moment is it yeah, ninth. ninth are they going to pay the tax for the ninth seed now if it was up to ak maybe they do because he believes in this group and you know certain players have taken real strides and i think that, that you know maybe they could make some noise with the right additions but I just I see it as a complete non-starter, and with the Lonzo situation, I want to say that in the same way that I said Zach Levine was one of my favourite players when I was sort of first getting into the league. As your um, as your knowledge of basketball progresses and evolves, Lonzo Ball quickly becomes one of your favourite players in the league, especially looking at it today because what he was able to do for that back half of the season with the Pelicans and um the first sort of 30 to 40 games with the bulls i i don't think we've seen sort of a higher end role player rock up on our screens in terms of i think he was shooting about seven threes per game at above a 40 percent clip yeah. he was part of one of the most destructive backcourts in the league he consistently kept the ball moving didn't need the ball in his hands to affect the game i i almost feel sorry for this front office because it's they, they saw their idea was working mm -hmm. and it's now on them to know exactly what's going on with Lonzo's knee and support him through that. But if they knew, you know, back at the start of the season or even back during last summer, that Lonzo was unlikely to come back for this season. Now that they finally escaped the Orlando pick hell in terms of, oh God, <laughs> will it convey? Won't it convey? It was on them to pick a direction for this build and to sort of go, well, we've actually got a chance this year to add sort of premium young talent to this team. And you could have done that and you could have done it and sold it with, well, guess what? We'll add the high profile 2024 draft pick and then Lonzo Ball's going to come back and we'll have this sort of brand spanking new team with the young core. But they've still sort of got a semi chance to do that but there are teams at the bottom of the east that are so crap that they're not really going to get down to you know the lofty heights of sort of 14 percent lottery odds anymore um 
I, I don't see I don't see the exemptions being used, which is why it makes so much sense to really have this sell off and really try and build this next great balls team, not salvage this current one. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on that lofty, lovely, happy note. <laughs> it's it's look, it's good. It, like we said at the start of this, it's great to get an outside take and an outside opinion on this because I think the problem is a lot of a lot of Bulls fans don't like to taste the bitter pill. Mm. They don't want to face the facts and the truth behind it because it, it's not a very pretty picture. And we try to stay some bit level-headed, but at the end of the day, we're still Bulls fans. So it's nice to get somebody else coming along and kind of laying it out on the line as well. So, Jack, it's been great. Absolutely great to walk into you. Um, have you any questions for us before before we start to wrap this up? Can I suggest one trade that yes. I think could sort of sour this whole episode? So I was speaking about a DeMar return <laughs> and I look around the league and I think that of the teams that could potentially pay him a long-term extension next year, San Antonio are a team that make a lot of sense as a guy that can actually come in and partner with Vic for the next couple of years and add a level of um, just add a decent sort of level of player to this team. Someone that can bring on the likes of Devin Vassell, help Keldon uh, Johnson progress once again. Yeah. Malachi Branham. I think Blake Wesley has got minutes for them this year as well. Would you do something built around sort of like Doug McDermott's expiring money? Um, Sorry, I'm sort of having to make this up on the fly here. I think they could take back quite a lot more salary because um because they're so far below the cap would you take back like doug mcdermott's expiring salary a player like a malachi branham again sort of if we're looking at into pistons terms not a member of the core four but a young prospect and if they agreed to sort of waive the obligation for the 2025 pick and just say you can have your 2025 pick is that enough for a guy that has been one of the best players in the last 10 years in a bulls uniform or would you have loftier hopes than that? What would your reactions be if if that was announced on Thursday? Go on, Matt. I'll let you take that. <laughs> uh, I'm not mad at it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's not ideal when you say, obviously, like you said, Demar's one of the best balls the last ten years. We said at the start of the season that if there's a player. That ends up moving it was made sense it was going to be demar just because mm-hmm. of his age obviously he's declining slightly and we've seen that this season that he has started to seemingly decline but yeah I'd, at this point i'd take it to be fair um mainly to get off his contract mm-hmm. i know it may not help us out massively in the long run because we've been over the cap and everything like that and um but yeah i'd, I'd take it i don't know whether he'd appreciate going back to san antonio yeah i know he's got a lot of respect for pop and that but and i guess for anyone to go to san antonio the thought of playing alongside Wemby is going to be a lot different to what san antonio was last year for example mm-hmm. so yeah i'd i'd do it 
Yeah, I was I was actually going to say pretty much what you said there about the fact that we know that Demar didn't necessarily have the most enjoyable time um, on period of his career when he was in San Antonio. He was kind of pushed into playing the facilitating role in in San Antonio, and even though he has incredible respect and a great friendship with with Pop, um, I do think he felt like he was utilized in a way that didn't necessarily suit his game. That being said, like you like you say, Matt, San Antonio is not the same team that it was, right? I mean, to be able to step in and, and be beside a, a player that is potentially going to be the future franchise player and player of the entire NBA going forward, which is what I think uh, that Wemby has the potential to be. Um, I mean, I think if he if he bulks up a bit, I've said this before. If Wemby bulks up a bit and manages to avoid any any massive injury in his first few years in the league, he's just going to be absolutely sensational going forward. And I think that could be the influencing factor for Demar to go there between Pop and Wemby. But outside of that, I don't know whether you could sell it to Demar. But then again, it's not necessarily Demar's choice, is it? Um, that being said. Um, I, I would I would pull the plug on that and say yeah I'd, I'd do it too. Um, we need to accept reality. We need to accept facts, and and that is that we need to do something because at the moment we're staring at an abyss, and we need to find some way of c- controlling the collateral damage that's going to come with the fallout of Zach Levine um, getting injured on the cusp of being traded. Well, on that note, guys, I've had a ton of fun coming on. I really appreciate the invite. I think um, we'll see how this this trade deadline goes, but maybe during the off-season, we could do a little uh, crossover episode again and we could try and rebuild the balls hypothetically over the off-season. We'll see how our conversations went and because um, they're a fascinating franchise at the end of the day from an outsider's perspective looking in. Yeah, yeah the league would be healthier with the healthy Chicago Bulls franchise. And, you know, I'm wishing players like Zach and like Lonzo real health. I hope that Kobe can keep up this sort of Iron Man status and uh, whatever direction goes, I hope it's the one of least pain for you guys over the course. Of the yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um, Matt, I don't know if you, you were trying to say something there. I'll let you say it. Yeah. But, um, just going to say, obviously, appreciate you coming on, Jack. And, uh, yeah, definitely up for another sort of crossover in the future, uh, yes. especially the off-season because it's a struggle in the off-season to yeah, put yes. podcasts out. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I say, appreciate it. But um, in the meantime, Jack, if you could uh, tell everybody where they can find you and this is your chance to plug yourself as much as you like and uh, <laughs> we'll say goodbye from there. Absolutely. So the Drop Step podcast uh, is available on all great podcasting channels. Uh, We've got 31 episodes up now, recording tomorrow with one of the guys from No Ceilings, who's another great website that you should check out. Bulls fans should check out to see who they could be drafting this year. Um, Check out the podcast feed. It'll be probably down below. I'm uh, at the Drop Step underscore MBA on Twitter. 400-ish followers strong now, so, you know, really getting those followers up. I try and put out some really good content, try and put out, like I said at the top of the podcast, stuff that isn't just sort of slaving away to the news cycle. So hopefully if you're a general sort of NBA fan, there'll be something there for you. But, uh, yeah, 
check us out give us a go thank you so much for having me on guys really appreciated both the platform and the conversation that we've had i've had a lot of fun absolutely that's thank you thanks very much jack cheers guys see you later so yeah uh thanks to jack for joining us and uh hopefully we we can link up again in the future and uh talk about the progression or lack of <laughs> progression this bulls team makes and yeah. um, Speaking of progression, obviously we're progressing on to games. It's game night tonight. Uh, so as soon as this is done, I am off to sleep on my nana nap. And like I say, first one up is against Timberwolves tonight at the UC. Yeah. Timberwolves, uh, I think, so they're still top of the West, maybe even top of the league, in fact. I think Boston's top of the league. Nah, Boston don't count. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously Bulls not, and Bulls are full of injuries, as we've just been yes. discussing. Yes, uh, I believe Dylan Terry, Kobe White, Alex Caruso are all game time decisions going into yeah. it. Tory Craig, uh, Tory Craig still on a minutes restriction. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you know, obviously, welcome back, Tory. We missed you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it doesn't look good, does it? Because I think there's only one player on Timberwolves IR as well, and I've never even heard of him. Jalen Clark or someone. Okay. I don't know if he's a rookie or what, but anyway. Uh, yeah, they're a very big team. Gobert and Towns. Bulls, mm -hmm. not. So, I'll go first, and I'm going to say it's an L and a big L. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think when we did the poll earlier on, I think I put a 10 plus point loss. Yeah, I went with that as well. Um, I did say that I thought Drummond would be our player of the game as his last last appearance in a Bulls jersey, possibly, maybe, potentially. Perhaps. But that could also move to Caruso and Demar. Who knows? It could. Who knows? Could be the last time we see some of these players in a Bulls jersey. Sadly. Because then on Thursday, we are against the whatever hell is going on in Memphis at the minute. Yeah. Um, some sort of Grizzlies team. Uh, yeah. By that point, we will know whether we've got any new players. We're missing more players because that's just what we need is a lack <laughs> of players. Um, but it is against Grizzlies. Um, I think the, their last game, the... Um, went with eight players and it was a mixture of i think luke canard and a load of two ways g league and 10 days and they got battered by boston in the process well yes you'd expect that really wouldn't you <laughs> yeah and obviously we saw what we did to them last time after an initial struggle we then blew them out by nearly 30 points so yeah i think they're probably gonna have a few players back i think they play tonight as well I think D Rose is due back. Um, Jackson's due back. So it might be a different look. Uh, one player I'm hoping is still there and we get to look at is, I'm not even going to pronounce his surname, but Tosan, the guy from over here in Newcastle. Mm -hmm. He's played a couple of games and looking at the box score, he's, he's done all right. He, he got 12 rebounds against Boston. More than P will. Just saying. Um, 
man is out injured. Leave the man alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, uh, Grizzlies, what are you saying? I'd say we take a win there. We've got to. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then at the weekend, I think it's Saturday night, we are in Orlando to face the Magic, who mm-hmm. seem to be on the rise again. Yeah, that's well, a three-game winning streak, I think, or something. Yeah, return of Franz Wagner, and uh, look what happened. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say an L in that one. Okay, I'm, I'm going to split it then. I'm going to go for a, a win there. I don't know yeah. why. There's no reasoning for it, but then there's no reasoning with this Bulls team anyway. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a win. Yeah, I mean, we struggle against Magic at the best of times, don't we? And if we are to lose players on Thursday or by Thursday, then it's just going to be even worse, isn't it? Because I can't see them making any moves. They don't need to, do they? No, that's true. They've picked a direction and gone with it. And then uh, we're probably due back next Tuesday with an episode. And before that, we have Hawks on Monday. So we've got the team above us. And the team below us sandwiching us nicely. Yeah. Um. Again, don't know what Hawks are going to do by Thursday. Is Dejon there? Dejon A. Murray going to be there? You know, Trey Young just made it to the All Star game, which disgrace. By default. Yeah. Um. Hello. Um. Yeah. What are you saying? (laughs) So my dog wants to get involved in the conversation. (laughs) Um. Yeah, no, I, I actually think we're gonna. We, I actually think we're gonna lose that game. Yeah, chances are we don't, don't want to. Yeah, I mean, chances are we don't have Drummond to do his yeah. twenty-four, twenty-five, whatever it was he got last time. Yeah. Um, plus, even if we do have Drummond, Vooch is going to be there stopping him anyway. So, um, That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I say we're going to lose that. So the next four games, I've got us one and three, which is quite depressing because that'll put us six under five hundred, I think. Which, yeah. yeah, that's. But we get into that time where we go fourteen and nine with Kyle Lowry off the buyout. I'm saying nothing. Well, on that note, <laughs> we'll if Demar goes, we won't be getting Kyle Lowry. If tomorrow True. stays, uh, it's definitely possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we need another guard now in the absence of Zach. So. Yeah, because we're short on guards, <laughs> aren't we? We are now because we've got two sat on the sidelines mm, collecting 60 true. million. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, on that note, I've got nothing else. don't know if you have. No. Like I say, we aim to be back next Tuesday. Um, with another guest, hopefully, as long as scheduling doesn't get in the way. And uh, once again, thanks to Jack for joining us. Um, Hope anyone who's listened enjoyed the chat. Different perspective. And Mm -hmm. as usual, I've been Matt. You can find me on Twitter at UK, and you can find us on all the socials at UK. And you'll find me on Twitter at Neil C. Ridge UK. On behalf of us both and the fans for Sportsnet Network, thanks once again to tuning in, to tuning in or for tuning in. From us both, do remember it's a Chicago Bulls thing, wherever in the world you are. Until next time, see red people and go Bulls. 